Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 30th of April, 2015, last day of April. Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave, this is like a, this, this is a special day. April okay. 30th, 2015. It's a day the universe cha- is about to change. I know where you're going. Um, there are... This, this, this is going to be an astounding day. There are like inventions or innovations that set off uh, a new way that we as a society or human beings do things or build or, uh, in this case, power our world. No, the whole thing with Dr. Mitch, that promote that. Today, uh. <laughs> we can hear you in the background, Brasco. Oh, sorry. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> okay, today Elon Musk, uh, the, 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 the inventor of the Tesla electric car, is going to uh, release the home battery, a storage unit that will hold, um, in, a, in a small space, a much smaller space, enough energy to um, power your individual house. It can be recharged by solar or by wind or by connection to the main grid, but it w- th- this invention will save uh, untold amounts of, of electricity. What, what do you think? Like we know this this is coming. Like the the announcement I think is scheduled for for later today. That's why you were you were noting today as as an important day. Uh, you know what? Let me let me ask you, Jim. You had noted this as something revolutionary. I completely agree. But let me pose the question to you: Why is this a breakthrough? Well, I, I already have power in my house. What makes this a breakthrough? Well, having power is one thing. How we get the power is another, right? I, like in my neighborhood this week, I live in a, in an older part of Toronto, and um, because you know the infrastructure is getting old, we've had two blackouts in one week. Earlier today, uh, nine thirty this morning, power went out for ten minutes for no reason. Well, I'm sure there was a reason, but, you know, for no warning. Um, that electricity comes across, you know, miles and miles and miles of wires. And it's distributed throughout the city um, from, you know, nuclear, coal, uh, hydroelectric, or um, or natural gas power plants, um, all of which cause environmental problems. Um, we are on a precipice when it comes to the rapidity of change in our climate, which is almost 100% certainly caused by global warming. All major nations on Earth have pledged to lower carbon emissions dramatically, and we've been missing our target dates because the way our society is structured, it's impossible for us to meet those reduction targets. One of the biggest emitters of uh, carbon is energy production. 
So any any reduction in the nece- in the necessity for mass energy production, again at a uh, a coal plant or a gas plant, um, the need to build an extremely expensive nuclear power plant, or to uh, dam dam up and flood vast areas to make hydroelectric power. If we don't need to do that as much anymore, we will severely cut CO emissions or CO two emissions. Um, five to ten years from now, at the, I mean, and look how quickly Elon Musk gets things done. Yeah. Five or ten years from now, we could seriously see like dramatic cuts. And think about the developing world, nations like China and India. Um, they're rapidly building infrastructure, often dirty infrastructure, because that's the least expensive and easiest resource to get at for them. This could completely change the way they look at development and the way they develop their their uh, domestic and, and commercial infrastructure. And if um, Elon Musk has, be able, has been able to shrink energy storage to have a large enough um, capacity to, you know, reliably provide electricity to, you know, any given home, it's only a matter of time before this grows to an industrial capacity. Think of all the electricity savings there. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's for uh, want of a better world, a technological miracle. It's really quite amazing, and I think one of the things that, uh, like for our listeners here, I know you, uh, you've read up on, on all of this that's coming up. Um, one of the things that I, I really love to see in what he's doing and something that I'm imagining will be coming here um, is the way that he's built the actual uh, sort of batteries themselves. They're grouping together of 18,650 cells connected together. But mm-hmm. what I really love to hear about this, or, or what I really loved about the innovation that he's, that he's building into it, is that they're all clustered into small groups they're referring to as bricks, um, allowing for, and you've seen it, batteries die, cells die, it happens. And what do you do? You have to buy a new battery, right? It happens on your cell phone. It doesn't mean that the entire set of, ba- you know, in that case it would be the whole battery, but it doesn't mean the whole thing's, you know, dead. It just means it's, that this one yeah. is. Um, in this case... Uh, you'll be able to replace individual bricks, so smaller and smaller clusters. Um, also built into it because of the way they're designed is that if one of the cells dies, that brick will die, but the entire system itself, the whole battery won't die, just a, a small component within it will. So I thought that was brilliant, and I'm, I'm seeing the future, or I'm guessing at the future here, um, and I'm seeing some sort of version of um, cloud electronics. Um, if it can build out, where if your neighbor's house went down, now your your house can power theirs if yours didn't, right? Sort of sort of sharing this power, and, and I'm sure there'll be some sort of monetary compensation for that somewhere along the way. But um, you know, sort of you can be my backup, I'll be yours, kind of uh, kind of set up to electricity. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a it's a revolutionary revolutionary thing. And you're right. I mean, this is Elon Musk. If somebody can do it, it's him. He's easily one of my top three favorite billionaires um, just from the way he spends his money and, and kind of seems to have fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is awesome, and uh, and I totally think you're right. It's the way the world has to go if we want to have a world to live in. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, just uh, Mostly based on your description of the batteries, uh, the battery units themselves, it reminds me of um, what uh, Steve Wozniak was doing with, like, massive flash storage. Yeah. Oh, that's a great analogy. Um, totally revolutionized and, and uh, 
the uh, ability or totally revolutionized the capacity of storing information, um, making him a uh, what do you what do you call a, a, a multi billionaire who's a, who becomes a multi billionaire again? Uh, you know, a double hitter or something? Serial billionaire, maybe? Serial billionaire. <laughs> yeah, making Steve Wozniak a serial billionaire, but again for doing great stuff. Um, and that's uh, that's that's what the the the, the setup. I, I bet you he took inspiration from that. Yeah. Oh no, you're you're probably right. The, the logic carries forward. Um, I think it's great. Um, part of their their development is actually going to be tearing apart pieces of older batteries and and bringing them back to life too. So you got an environmental win there. Um, I love it. I love it. I mean, there's a lot more going on this week, so I know we got to move on. But uh, but I think this is just great, and it's going to be a exciting announcement to actually get more and more details on it. I'm just reading about it in Forbes right now. But um, yeah, but when the official eats, announcement goes, marks this date. 30th of April, 2015, if this actually works out, um, where were you when you learned that the world might actually find a way to save itself? You know what? And that may be akin. I remember where I was when the Pentium launched, right? When I heard about the Pentium. <laughs> I remember where I was, and it, it, was a, it was a big, big moment. At the time, my reaction was, why do we need that? My 486 is just fine. <laughs> but but yeah. there we are. Oh wow! I just dated myself there. All right, let's move on. <laughs> okay, we got a couple. We got about uh, five minutes before we got to take a break. So um, I want to talk about the article you had published uh, today in uh, the SEM Post. But I want to do that when we come back from break when we got a bit more time. Sure. Uh, there was another article in SEM Post I found really funny. Uh, Jen Slake, uh, Jennifer Slake published it this morning. Um, emojis showing up in Google search results for competitive searches. Yeah, isn't that fun? I think it's hilarious, uh, yeah. especially given you, you, you know the uh, most used emoji in Canada, right? No, I probably don't, and I don't want to guess. <laughs> Clearly, because you said that, you can guess what it is. <laughs> it's um, the slash P-O-O, uh, P-O-O, uh, poo, yeah. um, like a pile of poop. But those won't be appearing in your search results, not yet at any rate. Um, these are more for, uh, you know, like uh, competitive things like travel and hotels and, uh, you know, lifestyle stuff that people are looking for all the time. And the example um, that, that's coming up that, that Jen had used um, were extracted from Expedia results where a pair of dice or a slot machine, uh, cherries on a slot machine, have, uh, have appeared beside Expedia search results for hotel wedding venues in Rome, our best beach resorts and hotels in Hawaii. Um, I think it's kind of cool. But I worry about what happens when it eventually bleeds over into, um, well, into general search. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's, it's almost a, a recipe for disaster, unless they're very, very tight on it. Here are the specific emojis that we'll, we'll allow in. Um, you know, and maybe draw them right from your your site itself, right? Like allow it to be some form of microdata that you you actually add in and go buy sites related to this category, and so that category emoji can can appear. I mean, obviously, you can't set up an environment where you just allow trusted publishers to do it because that's going to give sites like Expedia a huge advantage over um, you know maybe a local travel agent or something like that, which isn't fair. And I you know. It's not that Google's always 100% fair, but you can't, you can't do that for, for massive sites. So 
Um, you know, they're going to have to come up with something for the everyday user. Obviously, they're just testing it on uh, on some trusted ones right now. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what what that happens. And then, of course, you and I, as as marketers and SEOs, probably most of our uh, most of our listeners, as the same or or website owners, um, you know, how quickly will we adapt? I, I'm going to say minutes. <laughs> from yeah, pretty, from the point where it's available for all of us. Oh, pretty quickly. And the example actually that uh, Jen showed uh, in her article was a snippet of source code um, that basically showed how to how to insert or how Expedia is inserting. Uh, oh yeah, inserting the emojis into the search result, and um, it's a meta tag. It's a descript. It's part of the description tag. Yeah, interestingly, okay, I it's funny I missed that. Interestingly, we learned uh, by looking at this snippet that Expedia cares about keyword tags too, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, although you know what, just in in their defense, they may actually be using it for internal, right? Like they could almost make it hidden. They may have that as some sort of internal um, search parameter for for them to draw off their database in different areas or or whatnot. Well, just and not, indeed, and well, given the competitiveness of that uh, of the space that they're in. It could give them a centimeter against their competition. <laughs> uh, Bing still looks at keywords to a small degree, right, for true. instance. Anyway, okay, we, you know what? We've still got three minutes before we got to take a break. So what do you think about the reintegration of Twitter and Google? I, you know, we, we, you and I, we, we kind of touched on this a little bit with our, uh, with our good friend Brasco. Um, just in the in the pre-show chat, um, obviously they've got to change it from where they were. Um, I know both you and I were kind of salivating, hoping that they would do it exactly like they did before. <laughs> where so it was such a, it was so much fun, but which is exactly why they had to pull it. Right? I mean, there were other reasons like not having access to the data and stuff. But I mean, it just that that was completely dysfunctional. Um, you know, just just ripe for abuse. Um, obviously, they're going to have a more sophisticated approach. I know because I abused it. So did you. So did probably any of our listeners who were who were doing SEO back when uh, back when that feed was there. But um, I mean, they, they've obviously got to change stuff. Um, they've obviously got to look at uh, you know a, a lot more to do with the authority of the person publishing um, other other relevancy signals in there. I think we touched on on a great article last week um, that, that sort of covered some of the factors there. Um, but I I do think at its heart it is a good idea. Um, as long as they can get it right. Yep. Well, I mean, for Twitter, this is important because Twitter's Twitter's got a retention problem. Lots of people sign up for Twitter and they get into it to, you know, communicate quickly or to find out, like, instant news stories. But they don't spend a lot of time on Twitter and often people will leave the environment and go away for quite a while before coming back again. Mm-hmm. So Twitter needs to make itself more visible. And um, yeah, I don't know what you say to your clients, but I tell them appearing high on Google will make them more visible. <laughs> that, that's definitely a go-to, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Twitter needs to, uh, to more, almost as much as they need to retain uh, site users, Twitter needs to monetize the hell out of the content that goes onto that site. Um, and they and to do that, they need to show value to like the massive brand advertisers who will spend the money to insert messages during uh, common experiences like uh, the Super Bowl or um, the episode of uh, Crying Doctors in Seattle. What's that called again? 
Oh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, yeah. Crying Doctors in Seattle. Um, you know, into a particularly upsetting uh, episode of Grey's Anatomy. Because uh, if, if you're a brand, you can buy insertions at the time that groups of people will be having a massive shared experience. Right. That is a brilliant advertising vehicle. It's uh, You got people talking about Game of Thrones. Get them talking about your Game of Thrones waffles. I'm sorry, your King's waffles at the same time. <laughs> everyone likes waffles, right? And well, everyone wants to be a king. <laughs> so, um, okay, now I'm hungry for waffles for lunch, Jim. Thanks. Well, you know, there you go. I did you a favor. <laughs> Get that waffles. Everyone loves waffles. Um, okay, so by doing this, Twitter is going to obviously attract a lot more people, hopefully back to the Twitter platform, you know, with whatever uh, client or – do people actually use Twitter over the, over the web or over, the, over a uh, web page interface? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't. No, me neither. But anyway, back to whatever client they use to, to access Twitter on. So I, I think it's a good thing. Um, the question is, how do we use it? Right, and that's what we're going to – really, we're going to have to wait to see. I mean, obviously, we should all be prepping and making sure that all of our clients have good Twitter profiles that we're you know, connected with the people we want to connect with and, and that sort of thing now. Um, a lot's going to be told as it rolls out, and we can actually start to get our preliminary data as far as what the metrics are that they're using. And you know what? That'll happen over time. We'll learn – We'll learn in a couple of weeks, at any rate, what uh, this deal is all about. More importantly, how tweets do make it into uh, and and influence Google search results. But before we can learn or think about anything else on this show, anything whatsoever, we got to take a commercial break because it's twenty minutes past the hour on the thirtieth of April, twenty fifteen. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Stick around. We're going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. 
Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com. That's S-P-Y-F-U.com. And start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 30th of April 2015, and it's also the day that Explorer died. Well, not dead yet, but definitely on its way out. Um... Microsoft has a new web browser. You're not going to be um, yelling about Internet Exploder anymore. You'll have to come up with uh, another pejorative that rhymes with Edge. Uh, Microsoft <laughs> is introducing its new browser, Microsoft Edge. It's supposed to be sleek, minimalist, and it has a oh, it has a, a tabs along the top of the uh, window much like every other browser does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Microsoft Edge, it's um, coming in Windows 10. What do you think? Can Microsoft build a good browser that doesn't um, infuriate the rest of the web community or work differently than other browsers do? Um, I think what they're doing here is that they're going to build something that actually works different. I think it's going to have pros and cons. Um, but it, it's probably going to be something that I will actually look at and, and probably, I mean, use other than just going, hey, let's, you know, I, I need to, you know, test this website <laughs> and make sure it works at Internet Explorer. Um, but some of the features that it looks like they're adding um, are going to be interesting, like the ability to share stuff where you've actually used like a, a paint type program to sort of make a, make a note um, on the screen or something when you're sharing it across, right? When you're, when you're sharing a web page and actually, you know, sort of put a circle around something and then, you know, I can share it with you and then you can go right to the page and see a circle, right? Or, or something like that. So, I mean, I think some of the features that they're adding are going to be helpful, intuitive, good for your, for your everyday user, unless they, and I have no reason to believe they'll do this yet, but in, unless they opened up to actually allow, and you know, people to develop add-ons and things like that for it, um, you know, there, there's always that legacy problem, right? I mean, I'll always have to use, even if I wanted to use something else, I'll always be drawn to use Firefox or Chrome. Generally, Firefox is my preferred, but that's just because I know it and like it. They're both fine, uh, fine browsers. But, um, you know, because of the ability to have all of these, all of these widgets and tools added in, which, uh, mm-hmm. which is, is probably going to be lacking. But I, I do like some of the features they're adding. I, I like the new layout from what I'm seeing. Obviously, it's preliminary and still, uh, still going to be... Uh, 
you know, it's available for, for some testing stuff now if you're, uh, if you're one of their tech people, but, um, you know, it, it's not something that I can, I can download or, or whatnot, but, um, yeah, it'll be launching with windows 10 from what I can see. Uh, I think it's a great leap forward for them. It's just going to be missing one of the things that'll make it a great leap forward for me. <laughs> well, it's going to be important for every SEO to, you know, use, and it, as you said, David, shipping with the new operating system, which means, um, you know, 70 some odd percent of all new computers purchased from the day Windows 10, sh- Windows 10 ships forward, it will be the default browser. Well, so, and you know, you know, people are going to try it. And then what happens when they do, if they actually hit it out of the park a little bit on this one, the average person doesn't need to have SEO Quake installed and, and all these sorts of things. Um, so if they can come up with something that's light, fast, has a few extra neat features that people would actually use that are available in Firefox, but you wouldn't know it unless you look, um, you know, would they, you know, can they cap- recapture some of that browser market? Um, I think it's kind of theirs to lose with this one because it is a brand new thing. It's, it's, I think they went a far better route than just doing a new version of Internet Explorer. It's a new product. Um, it looks like it's going to have some dramatic differences, certainly in layout. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for them as long as they don't screw it up. Well, I got I, I to say this. Just This is like the numerology of Microsoft. Their uh, operating system iterations that come out in odd numbers tend to work. And the operating systems that come out in even numbers tend to suck. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but hear me out here, okay? Yeah, okay. Windows 3, Windows 3.1, that was the dominant operating system for how many years? I mean, three, four years running, and it was stable for the most part for what it was. It was good. What was it followed by? Uh, That'd be... Cursor to um, XP, Windows NT. Oh, Remember see, how bad how much Windows NT sucked? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, let's let's for for our server friends in the crowd, NT um, like for server and stuff like that were were fine. But for our yeah, you're right for our average. Okay, so uh, that would be operating system number four after Windows three point one, right? Right. So operating system four NT kind of sucked, but that was followed by XP, which again for its time was superior. Oh, I think we skipped ninety five and ninety eight and ninety eight SE. <laughs> really I thought XP came before them but you know what we'll go with that 95 <laughs> it worked 98 it sucked um, they went to SE it fixed some problems <laughs> uh, XP came along and it worked really well I think we're still yeah. on odd numbers Yeah, I hope my theory hasn't been blown because I've been working on it for years <laughs> um, you want to you, you hear my, racing, my uh, horse racing system too <laughs> but you're right. Um, I mean, after after XP, we went to Emmy. Uh, that yeah, was yeah, big problems. And after after that came. Uh, oh, God, what, what was between Vista that was Vista? Was that I XP? I uh, no, I think it went XP Vista or XP Emmy Vista was like the. Oops, sorry about uh, Emmy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but Vista had like severe problems of its own, right? Yeah, it was an upgrade from horrible to just kind of crappy. <laughs> <laughs> and then came along Windows 7. Yeah. Which was wonderful and stable and still used by the majority of Windows users. Yeah. Because Windows 8 was crap. Now, yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I've, I've had to upgrade, but uh, yeah. <laughs> now, blowing my theory, you'd think that Windows 9 would have worked really well. 
But you know why you didn't actually see a Windows 9? Because it stunk so bad that they just jumped to 10. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So Windows, Windows 10 may well be that odd numbered one in disguise, and then it might work really well. Here's your fingers crossed, eh? Yeah. Um, will the Edge browser be compatible with older systems on, of Windows? Ooh, that's a good question. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know what? I'm still running Windows 7 because uh, Windows 8 really horrified me. <laughs> um, and I need to use Windows Edge. I need to see what websites look on Edge, look like on Edge, much like I need to see what they look like on Explorer. Yeah. So it's a good question. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth asking. Yeah, no, that is a good question. You know what? I'm going to imagine it will be. Um, in in some capacity for for recent one, yeah, probably to eight, maybe not to seven and before, but I, I imagine they'll at least go back to uh, back to Windows eight on that one, just because you'd you'd almost have to. Although remembering a, a show from a, a couple weeks ago, um, they're going to allow for uh, a, a much more liberal upgrading um, in through Windows ten, so that may be their answer to that. No, we're not going to support past operating systems, but you know what? Just upgrade to ten, <laughs> become one of us. Be really careful when Microsoft comes along and says, we're going to allow you to upgrade much easier, and it's all going to be in the clouds, man, all in the clouds. Beware, the gatekeeper cometh. Can you see, I mean, can't you see that? Suddenly one day your operating system stops operating because you haven't kept up your tithe? Oh, yeah, no, I know that's... that's no, I didn't mean tithe, sorry, user fees, not tithe, user fees. I, I knew it um, but yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. That's why I've always been uh, weary of the cloud uh, for for stuff of, of personal entry. You know, I'm not going to store my photos of uh, of my family or whatnot on the cloud. Like, no, this is mine. I own it. It sits on well, backed up onto two machines. But anyway, <laughs> okay, we got we probably got about uh, what 12, 15 minutes for the next break. Yeah. Best chance to talk about the article you had in uh, SEM Post: the new advantage on mobile search. Yeah. So, new advantage on mobile what's my advantage on mobile search well what i what i saw happening and i'm sure a lot of people saw happening and it just clicked right uh, you know a couple of days before i was going to be writing this post um we all raced for mobile right i mean that you know we had to have mobile sites um and then uh, you know looking looking across the web you can see there's there's awesome mobile um there's people who put a lot of diligent effort into making sure you know they they had they had they took full advantage of all their all the time they were given and they had in-house development teams. Um, there were also the people that were racing among overworked designers and developers um, and, and trying to grab some segment of their time to get the job done. Right? I mean, these were designers, developers of, of varying skill levels. Some of them did an exceptional job. Some of them did a lackluster job. But still, they got that little mobile-friendly um, you know note on their on their site when they're putting them through there which leads me to believe and i mean you and i've been around this this long enough i'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well um just because your starting point is at x does not mean you're going to end at x this isn't the the beginning or this isn't the end of the mobile game hey if you don't have a mobile site that's that that's not the end that's the beginning um right we are about to head into the battle of for mobile um, as far as search goes in the capacity of having a unique index, this is where the factors really start to matter. Google gave us sort of a green light on like a, like a light switch. You're mobile or you're not because they just wanted us all moved over. But now is when the real battle for, for 
you know, fractions of percents really starts to kick in, right? Now's the time where they can go, okay, here's all the mobile sites. Now, which ones are more equal than others? Which ones are looking at things like site speed? Which ones are, are not, you know, taking their massive slider images and just scaling them down? They're still dumping a massive <laughs> slider image in, um, but which ones are actually resizing for mobile on their way? Which ones are going to proper development? Which ones are providing the proper user experience? You know, if you do the, the, the insights um, page speed score, you actually get a UX score as well on your mobile one. So it'll actually tell you what's your user experience. Who's paying attention to that? Is it above 70? Is it above 90? Um, you know, I know Scott here was working on one, actually managed to get it to 100, right? I mean, you know, awesome. What did you guys uh, do for him? Uh, well, I mean, this is a case-by-case. Case. It, it had a lot to do with the touch points and making sure there's enough buffer re- rearranging where uh, the way the menu system works and the way the icons lay out on the page to make sure that, you know, Dave's fat thumbs can properly click on, on the different uh Well, no, no. Well, actually, Dave, I meant for Scott. What did you do for Scott? He got one of your clients to 100% uh, uh, user experience rating. You, what, did you take him for a drink? Did you buy him a cat? What, 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 you got to do something for him. I let him keep his job. Hey, good on you. Good on you, man. That's the best gift of all, isn't it? <laughs> no, I know. That, that was actually, you know what, and, and I gave uh, a couple times the last couple days I've mentioned that was, that was quite an accomplishment. So, um, yeah, I know that, that was, uh, it, it was great to see. Uh, you know, and, and this is where the things are coming in here, where we really need to, this is where we need to be now. We, we've done it. You know, as, as website owners, we've done it. We now have our mobile sites. Awesome. Um, but now is where we really have to start looking at going, is my mobile site better than their mobile site? We can't just go, hey, my site's mobile friendly. A, the rules around what's mobile friendly may well change. You may have that 85 page speed score on mobile today. Check it again in a, you know, as, as the criteria gets more and more advanced, which is going to be pushed up, just like page rank. I mean, I'm sure you remember where you could have no change. Um, in your in your backlink profile, you could even be building just moderately, but there'd be a toolbar update and you'd go down, not because you did something wrong, but because they had to up the bar because there's a whole bunch of people at the top. The same thing happens with other areas of the algorithm. So when we're looking at page speed, yeah, they're giving you a score out of 100. Do I believe that's the end all be all and that they're going to all of a sudden rest on their laurels and go, this is going to be the the algorithm we use for page speed or UX, uh, you know, measurements ongoing no the web changes they're going to have different criteria as more and more people are getting better their criteria are going to get more and more strict Um, as they do that we need to be ahead of the game to me i'm just viewing this as a huge opportunity i'm not even viewing this as a oh gee you know now there's even more work to do i mean obviously as somebody who's paid to do that work that's kind of awesome but um you know at, at the end of the day it's the the people who are actually paying attention to this this is our opportunity this is our time um, to look at these things like the UX scores to the, the page speed scores, actually using our mobile sites, making, you know, looking at our analytics, making sure that our bounce rates are what they should be on mobile specifically and really take advantage um, of what's coming and, and, and this new world and this new index that we have to play with. And, hey, it's been a while since we've actually had, you know, three different indexes to play with, but we got it again. We got Google, we got Bing, and we got Google Mobile. Yeah. How <laughs> about how how many people have like been amazed when you've said to them, you know, we there's actually two Googles now. Um, it is quite a thing, eh? When you're when you're actually thinking. I think people have a hard time wrapping their brain around it, and I don't blame them because I've often, and I'm sure you have too, and, and people in our audience, the wonder, the 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 amazing thing about what's happening right now is that it's a new index. 
but I, I, you could catch me even just earlier today referring to it as an algorithm, right? I know it's not. <laughs> um, and I think in a lot of people's brains, that may be what we're dealing with, right? Like I think to a lot of people, what we're dealing with is a new algorithm. And right now, it's more akin to we've got one algorithm, two indexes, and an index feeding each. Um, what I, I believe is coming, and that was the point of the article, is we're going to see subsections of the algorithm. And, and there already are some, but well, more subsections of the algorithm target, built just for the mobile index. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're going to have to do that, even if they, even if it that doesn't already exist. And I'm sure it does. They will have to uh, add more and augment as user data comes in. The, yeah. the, the idea being, you want to get better search results, and more importantly, Google has always informed themselves about the, you know, um, credibility of a website based on the user experience that website offers, you know, which is based on uh, how users behave while they're there. Yep. So what would you be looking for to, uh, you know, Im- improve user experience on a, on a mobile site? You know, you're a, a, a small business, just got your site converted, and you're, you know, looking forward, doing your own work. What, what, what would you be looking at? You know, the first thing I, I tend to look at um, is my UX scores and my page speed scores. I mean, just because if if nothing else, I've got a number I can look at. And I know Google likes numbers because they're an algorithm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and because it's just a simple place to look for, for the earliest problems. Okay, but um, how do you move those dials? Oh, that's that's that depends on what your issues are. Um, I'll give you five bucks. How do you move those dials? I, I, I'm sure you've, you've had some fun with this. It'll depend on what your build is. It'll depend on what server you're on. Um, mm-hmm. Yesterday, for example, I was working on um, a custom-built website, um, a PHP-built website. So it's on an Apache server. I'm custom-built, so I, I'm not dealing with WordPress where I can use like W3 Total Cache or something like that to, to sort of augment my um, you know, browser caching and, and things like that. So depends on your build with, uh, you know, a WordPress site, for example. Yeah, there's some plugins there. None of them will be as good as if you can hand code it yourself, but there's some, some decent plugins like W3 total cache that if you go into the advanced settings, you can kind of have some fun with, um, to, to speed up your site, your UX stuff. For example, if you're a do it yourselfer, buckle up and prepare to learn some, some styles. <laughs> because you're going to need to do that. Um, you, a lot of it's going to – so basically uh, some of the most common things I'm seeing is browser caching, um, getting your JavaScript and style sheets down into the footer. The ones that can work, like there's a lot of sliders um, in WordPress, you know, Rev Slider, for example, that will break. You need your JavaScript up in the header area. Um, but, you know, getting the ones you can down into the footer, um, getting your images um, not just resized but compressed – um, so, you know, reducing their sizes and that's especially important on mobile and, and rightfully so because this is a mobile connection, not, you know, the, the high speed. I mean, they're pretty fast, but it's not the same as your, as your desktop connection. Um, so those are the three that I, I see as the top ones that I see the most um, are the caching, um, getting your JavaScript down and, uh, and images. But there's, there's a lot of other stuff that ends up coming into play that if you just run insights, it'll be there. When you get into the UX area, and that's going to be a big part of, of what you need to deal with on mobile as, as the battle continues, probably something that you'd want to look at maybe even before your page speed issues um, because that's your actual user experience. That's important mm-hmm. today whether there's a search engine or not. 
that is going to take a, a lot more heavy lifting, a lot more education. If you're if you're a layman, like for for somebody like you, Jim, myself, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, um, you'd do fine. You already know things like styling. You already know how to resize images and stuff like that. So you're you're going to do just fine. Um, but for somebody, a, a complete layperson who's just built a site in WordPress, doesn't really understand this stuff. If you want to get those UXs up there, prepare to learn a lot about uh, about style sheets and, and styling because you're going to have to do that. Um, to get that done, and then after that, head on over to your analytics and start looking at just your mobile traffic because that's a different thing. Um, and you need to start looking at your mobile traffic in isolation and figure out what they're doing. Something we should have all been doing to begin with, um, but now we're going to be looking at things like bounce rates. And there's two different indexes. You can rank, you know, your bounce rate may be fine on your desktop and your rankings are going to hold on your desktop. Um, but if you're not providing that good mobile experience, um, then, then you're going to see your bounce rates, uh, you know, go uh, go south on uh, on the mobile. And then, if that happens, regardless of whether your page speeds are up, regardless of whether your UX score is up, if Google's seeing high bounce rates, you know what happens. Um, down you down you go. The exception, of course, being if you're if you're looking at queries with high bounce rates, right? As as happens, somebody looks up whatever, um, you know, Elon Musk announcement today. Right. Okay, that's going to have a high bounce rate. I went, I looked at a page and back I go. So don't worry about those queries. But look at your queries that on the desktop are leading to multi-page views, contact form fills out or fill outs. If you start to see those go south, you got a problem. You know, something you said at, at the very beginning of this segment, this is the first day or the, the beginning of the, the beginning times, the first weeks of, you know, the, the, this new index and the, and the, the uh, new environment, Google Mobile. It's the an amazing time to start keeping records. And I know Google uh, Analytics and Google Webmaster Tools will store historic data back to a certain date, but it's wonderful to be able to look at year over year, month over month, or to- uh, uh, event time period over event time period, year to year. Yeah. This is what Christmas uh, 2014 did, Christmas 2013, Christmas 2012, etc. Perfect time to start doing it because these are the first days of this environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting, and you're right. You should be keeping records. I know I do with things like page speed and what did you do, and um, you know, on on specific things, and and what did that result in, and and stuff like that, just to make sure in different environments you you know what works and what doesn't. You know, it's weird. I I, I keep these records, but when I really think about it, like I'm just sort of envisioning the file structure in, in on my hard drive. Um. It's got to be a better way. To, I keep all these records for individual clients. You know, you put them into reports, so you have stuff that goes, you know, back months, years, or whatever your relationship with your client is. Yeah, just got to be a better way to store it for, uh, you know, to be able to access it and look at the evolution of the web itself or the evolution of SEO based on the records we've been keeping for our clients over the years. Yeah, that would be an yeah. interesting side project. It would be. Um, it'd be really cool to see uh, what five or six different SEOs considered to be key metrics uh, in 2005, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, etc. That's you know? true, and you know what? I, I might give somebody what I considered my key metrics in 2005, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. You know what? I might get around to writing that article, except I'm really busy right now, and we're going to have to go to commercial in a, in a moment, take our, our, our second break. But before we do, um, this is probably the last time I'm, I'm, I'm going to announce this on uh, on the air. And I beg your indulgence, Dave, but uh, for Canadians, um, Monday and Tuesday are the dates that the uh, new quote-unquote anti-terrorism 
legislation is going to third reading in the House. It'll likely be voted on, and um, that will severely, radically change um, how people use the internet, especially people who are who are using it for like environmental, social, uh, anti uh, anti war or peace uh, activism or whatever. It'll definitely change your Facebook feed. It'll definitely change my Facebook feed anyway. Um, and because Monday is the last final debate, Tuesday or Wednesday will be the final vote in the House of Commons. Today and tomorrow are your final chances to call your MP and you know join with 83% of Canadians, um, the leader of, or the CEOs of virtually every large technology company in Canada, um, and um, you know, four, five, four prime ministers, uh, five former Supreme Court justices, etc., etc., the entire uh, law society in Canada, in opposing Bill C-51, call your MP, ask them to vote no on Tuesday, and you know maybe the web environment that we're using today won't be chilled through surveillance in Canada. So, again, I apologize for, for bringing politics into it, but this is an important one. You know, it's it's good advice. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't have to call my MP, my ND. Uh, I've got an NDP MP, so I already know where they're standing <laughs> on the issue. So, yeah, Denise is very cool. Um, yeah. OK, on that note, it is you know, it's about quarter to the hour on the 30th of April 2015. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. You're listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stick around. We're coming back, and we're going to talk about Google and declining AdSense publisher earnings. Uh, but again, stick around. We're coming back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Do you want to optimize and grow your business? Then master your skills in conversion rate optimization. Sign up for Conversion Conference Las Vegas 2015, happening on May 12th through the 14th. It's Brasco from Webmaster Radio inviting you to the biggest and only conversion conference in the United States this year. Join your colleagues and the world's leading conversion experts, including Tim Ash, Amy Africa, Lance Loveday, Natalie Nahai, plus 40 of your favorite optimizers. Learn to create persuasive content, design landing pages that trigger your visitors to action, and convert blog readers into customers. 
Come to Conversion Conference, the conference that pays for itself in no time. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get a $100 discount on their pass. Register early and get full access for only $897 when you use discount code WMFM. Simply register online at ConversionConference.com with the code WMFM. That's ConversionConference.com, code WMFM. Hurry, save your seat before they sell out. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the host, Jim okay, Hedger and Dave uh, Dean. Dean. It's the 30th of April, 2015. Um, we uh, well, kind of went overtime in our last segment, so we only got about five minutes left. So, uh, you know what we neglected to do last week, Dave? What's that, Jim? Terrible. I can't believe this. We didn't invoke Barry Schwartz once last week. Well, okay, now that's one, so we have to mention his name at least one more time. Uh, well, I, I will. I will. I mean, I feel, <laughs> I feel terrible because we always mention Barry Schwartz because Barry forever has been bringing, like, daily the news to the web marketing world. And uh, so we didn't invoke Barry Schwartz's name last week, and so I, I, I feel terrible that we didn't because, you know, Barry Schwartz deserves more than that from us. <laughs> I think um, you're doing keyword stuffing now, Jim. <laughs> definitely, yes. Okay. Um, but definitely, this is definitely worth the mention, like big time. Uh, in Search Engine Roundtable today, Barry, uh, you know, compared, um, well, compared numbers for Google AdSense publishers. You know, when uh, you have a website and you run Google Ads down the side, you are an AdSense publisher. You're making a deal with Google to share revenues on uh, on the on drawn from the clicks on those ads, right? Yep. Some websites, if, if you have enough traffic that can actually, you know, and, and, and enough pages being seen, you can, you know, um, augment your living quite well uh, as an AdSense publisher, but it's getting harder. Today, um, uh, very, very published numbers he found in a Webmaster World thread that uh, suggest that advertising revenues are decreasing Actually, kind of quickly with Google. In first quarter 2014, total advertising, total advertising revenue increased 11%. Um, I'm sorry, in first quarter of 2015, compared to the first qu- quarter of 2014, total advertising revenue increased about uh, uh, 11%. However, in the fourth quarter of 2014, uh, advertising revenue decreased by about 5%. Um, Google-owned site revenue decreased by 4%. Partner revenue decreased by 8%. Aggregate paid clicks decreased by 1%. Paid clicks on Google Sites decreased by 3%. Paid clicks on Google Partner Sites decreased, decreased by 4%. Aggregate cost per click decreased by 5 Cost per click on Google Sites decreased by 3%. And the cost per click on partner sites the publishers, decreased by 11%. What it shows is the world is getting way more difficult for publishers. There is um, a loss in revenues. In this case, 10%, 11% of, uh, uh, on average, cost per click on partner sites has decreased, you know? Yeah. Now, I mean, one has to wonder. It's an interesting scenario, right? Because you've got cause, causality, 
right? And, and it is tough to tell which is which. Because um, you all, like I also have to look at it and go, okay, and with the page layout algorithm changes that they were doing, um, you know, with, with some of the other aspects of the algorithm that might have been kicking in, like let's just look at pandas and penguins and how they might be affecting um, ad-driven websites, maybe even heavy ad-driven websites. Um, you know, is it that what I'd be interested in as a metric, and it's not available here, is what is the revenue uh, change among the top, say, 100 or top 1,000 advertisers? Like the people who built good quality sites, um, who, who, you know, still have really good quality sites that just happen to generate money off these ads. How is that going for them, right? Like has theirs gone up or down? Is it just that other parts of their algorithm are going and, and these advertisers are building lackluster sites? So is it a problem with Google and publishers or is it a problem with the sites that were generating revenue and that just the algorithms caught up with them and, and now they're down? As somebody who's built affiliate sites, I, I built a few crappy ones. Um, you know, and, and when, when they got hit, I went, uh-huh, that's about right. Um, you know, so – it, it is a, a sort of a chicken and the egg, which is coming first. There, there are some metrics we could see that Google won't release, like who are your top publishers <laughs> and mm-hmm. how much are they making that would tell us. Um, but there is that side of this data as well that may not reflect Google being evil to their publishers, but just the nature of some of these sites themselves being declined in, in Google. In which case, you know, if that was the case, kudos for Google. You kind of kicked yourself in the butt and dropped some revenue um, you know, to make sure that the integrity of your of your search results was solid. Another reason I think that we might see um, AdSense revenues declining is the a the advent of mobile search. Mm-hmm. Um, if you AdSense doesn't appear well on publisher pages in the mobile environment, it tends it doesn't it tends to appear at the bottom of a page, or as you strung out little text ads. So there's not as much reason to click them. There's not, not as compelling to click. And they don't appear as often um, as more users are moving to mobile. Um, less users are going to see um, these partner site ads. Number two, and I, I, I think you're right, you know, there's a, lot more, there's a lot more websites out there today than there was this time last year. And a lot of those sites are churn and burn or just, you know, amateur crap. They're not going to rank well, but they're still... Um, counted in the in the in the averages. Yeah. Um, and lastly, and I think you know perhaps the biggest factor of all is the large brands have really gotten it together. Um, the large retail um, and the uh, uh, large manufacturing brands have excellent web presences in 2015, where they didn't have so much in 2014, 13, 12, or, or historically. Um, so. Us consumers who, right, you know, financial times are tough, so we go with who we trust, and who we trust are the people we've heard of our entire lives, the large established brands. Yeah. So, you know, I don't need that Burberry. I don't need to click the Burberry ad anymore because Burberry.com does just fine, thank you. Right. Valid point and a really yeah. good point. Um, I mean, I mean, I just thought of that, but it makes sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and making sense is what we do, and it's what we've done for the last hour, more or less. Um, but we've burned a whole hour, Dave. We did it again. I, it always amazes me every week that you make it through alive, huh? <laughs> I know. Um, friends, 
We're done for the hour. I'm pretty sure I haven't been messaged by studio, but I know it's coming any second now, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to anticipate the whole music, right? There it goes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, friends, you have been listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm on this historic day, the 30th of April, of April 2015. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Edge from Digital Always Media. Stick around. After the news, there's amazing content coming up on the network. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.